China is urging the U.S. military to stop flexing its muscles in the South China Sea. Chinese Defense Minister Wei Fenghe is urging his U.S. counterpart Mark Esper not to provoke and escalate tensions in the disputed waters, which are claimed by several countries. As the U.S.-China trade war continues to rumble on, there are increasing fears that the decade-long expansion of the U.S. economy is coming to an end. And meanwhile, American companies remain in limbo, waiting to see how badly their businesses may be affected. Further confirmation, the outbreak of a new viral pneumonia in China is on the move. Well, you're correct. This is a China's communist cover-up. Because if you watch, the doctor who gave the warning, you cannot find him anymore. The Chinese city of Wuhan raised its death toll by 50% on Friday, amid doubts about the accuracy of China's data on the new coronavirus. Had China been honest with the, Amer with the world, 95% fewer people would have been sick. That means it would have been controlled and contained inside China. Since the late 1970s, the United States has grown increasingly reliant on China for manufacturing and production. Billions of dollars have flowed from the land of the free to the Middle Kingdom. Yet when the United States needed China the most, the authoritarian nation operated in bad faith. The COVID-19 pandemic has revealed that China cannot be seen as a fair and honest partner on the international stage. Throughout the pandemic, it relied upon the suppression of medical professionals, deception of the international community, and denial of basic truths to protect its reputation and foster its power. At the end of the day, actions of Chinese officials may have cost thousands of lives, and perhaps even worse than COVID-19 spread, at times it could have been halted. This behavior, however, is not new for the People's Republic. If the United States fails to acknowledge China as a foe and effectively confront it, the superpower will see its national interests harmed and strategic goals stifled. I'm Nick Doomers for the Intelligence Ledger, and this is Slaying the Dragon. In order for any state to be successful, it must have attainable goals and aspirations. In the world of international affairs, these are known as strategic objectives. Strategic objectives are long-term goals that help convert vague visions into detailed plans, projects, and initiatives. Before the U.S. begins to respond to Chinese aggression, it must understand what the Chinese government is attempting to achieve. The People's Republic of China and Chinese Communist Party have four main strategic objectives. It views these objectives as necessary not only for Chinese advancement, 
but for the survival of the state itself. These include the preservation of internal order, sustainment of economic growth and development, security of national sovereignty and territorial integrity, and finally, the inauguration of China as a great power. Understanding these objectives is vital if the United States is to successfully deal with China in the future. Seeking to improve this understanding, over the next few minutes, we'll briefly cover each of these goals. The central government's greatest and single most important objective is the preservation of internal order. The PRC controls territory roughly equivalent in size to that of the United States of America. Yet with nearly 1.3 billion people, its population is over four times as large. 60% of the population lives in only 24% of the country, and most of those live on China's expansive coast. The other 74% of China is populated by what the Chinese government calls, quote, national minorities. The national minorities are composed of Tibetans and Kazakhs, with Uyghurs and other Muslim groups in the relatively rebellious region of Xinjiang. These minorities have strained relations with the government in Beijing and have ties with groups in other countries or relations with other states. China views the preservation of order in Tibet and Xinjiang as vital to its national security. If the central government fails to exert control over these territories, it fears a train reaction will start with more and more provinces splitting off from Beijing. Xinjiang is home to Uyghuri separatists who have engaged in acts of protest, both peaceful and violent, to promote independence. In Tibet, most of the population is loyal to the Dalai Lama, a monk who is in exile and believes in an autonomous Tibet. The government in Beijing has used a wide variety of tactics, including prison camps and force, to squash these movements at their roots. Most recently, the mass protests in Hong Kong have proven extremely disconcerting to the central government. The mass protests against the government began in June of 2019, when activists sought to call attention to the central government's increasing interference in city affairs. They continued throughout the year, evolving into a movement pushing for democratic reforms within Hong Kong itself and throughout Greater China. As noted previously, the Chinese government views these movements as a national security threat. As such, it devotes a great deal of resources, time, and effort to suppress and stomp out such ideas. It does this not only by using police actions, military force, and political power, but by also severing outside sources of diplomatic support and aid from international actors. The Chinese people have suffered greatly under the regime in Beijing, and the international community, influenced by China's economic growth, has stood by and watched. Since 1979, the People's Republic of China has enjoyed unprecedented levels of economic growth. For the past 40 years, China's GDP has grown at an annual rate of nearly 10%. The CCP and PRC view sustained economic growth as vital not only for the advancement of its society, but essential for the prevention of civil disorder and the success of its foreign policy. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, forward-thinking capitalists were always looking for smarter investments, not only to increase production output, but also lower prices so as to undercut their competitors. 
China provided the opportunity for CEOs to do both, with manufacturers dealing with little to no regulation and significantly lower wages when compared to the United States and other Western powers. This combination caused tens of thousands of enterprises from across the globe to flock to the Middle Kingdom's shores. This economic vitality allowed China to win support for expansion from states who would otherwise frustrate its growth, such as the United States. These foreign investments give China an immense amount of sway over rivals. As the COVID-19 pandemic revealed, global supply chains are extremely vulnerable to external influence. The PRC repeatedly threatened to withhold vital goods needed to combat COVID-19 in the United States. This came to a head on March 13, 2020, when an article appeared in Xinhua, a state-run press agency, that noted if the Chinese government limited or prevented the export of pharmaceuticals and medical equipment, the United States would be, quote, plunged into the mighty sea of the coronavirus. They weren't wrong. China has a long history of both local and global rivals violating its national sovereignty and infringing upon its territory. The authoritarian nation finds itself in an extremely precarious position, with more than 13,000 miles of land border to defend from outside threats. Historically, China has struggled to prevent foreign invasions and expeditions on its home soil. From the 3rd century BC until the 19th century, nomadic tribes regularly raided and threatened China's frontiers. Since the 1850s, however, the borders of China were threatened not by disorganized tribes, but by great powers, namely Germany, France, Great Britain, and Russia. Since the Second World War, China has faced new challenges from powerful industrialized nations, mainly the United States, Russia, Japan, and India. Cognizant of this history, the PRC has sought to develop a strong military. Over the past 20 years, it has pursued an aggressive modernization campaign, reducing its vulnerabilities while simultaneously increasing its ability and reach. The modernization, both nuclear and conventional, has advanced relatively quickly. China has placed a special emphasis on improving its naval force, while increasing research in hypersonic technology, cyber warfare weapons, and space platforms. Artificial reefs and offshore islands in the South China Sea not only present the PRC with the opportunity to project hard power, but serve as a strong footprint for defending itself from global threats. In the case of a hot war with Western powers, the islands would serve China as posts well-placed to provide important intelligence on the naval and land movements of opponents. Each of the three prior objectives have been formulated with the last one in mind, the inauguration of China as a great power. Above all else, the Chinese government and Chinese Communist Party hope to see China return to its former position of distinction it held prior to the First World War, except this time with the power to defend itself from foreigners. In 1700, China pumped out an astounding 32% of the world's economic output, while the UK, France, and Germany combined only produced 15%. This was a period of astounding success for the introverted nation. Its fortunes, however, changed for the worst as a result of the Qing Dynasty's corruption and lack of strategic forethought. China lost its preeminent position in the world and fell into decades of despair. The PRC has learned from its past and is determined to avoid previous shortcomings and take its place in the world as a great power. It does this not only by developing its conventional military power, 
but through geoeconomic strategy and financial development throughout the world. But China's quest for greatness will not go unchallenged. Its plans have put it in direct confrontation with the most powerful nation in the history of mankind. And this superpower has no intent to go down without a fight. On behalf of the entire team at the Intelligence Ledger, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's video, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. My name's Nick Dumeris, and I'll catch you in the next video. Now there was a time